if we want to change the world, we need that second system. And I want that to have a place in corporate business intelligence. Welcome to the Innovation Metrics Podcast, where we bring you the latest on innovation management. We provide insights on how to measure innovation, innovation accounting, and managing the uncertain process of developing new, sustainable, and profitable business models. You can find links to the main topics covered in this episode and information about the guests and hosts in the show notes, or go to our blog on innovationmetrics.co. Your host is Aaliyah Islet. So I'm very excited to welcome Esther Gons on our show today. Esther authored The Corporate Startup, an award-winning book, and is also the author of the brand new innovation accounting book, which I believe has also just received an award. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> That's awesome. Congratulations. Our guest is also the CEO of Ground Control, an innovation software to manage and report on innovation ecosystems. Esther has a background in technology and has been an entrepreneur for over 20 years. She has mentored several hundred startups, amongst other as an investor at Next Startup Ventures, Lead Mentor in the Rockstart Accelerator programs, and Lean Startup Machine Weekend. As always, we make sure to link all relevant information and how to get in touch with Esther in the show notes. Make sure to check them out. Hi, Esther. So happy to have you on the show today. Hey, Elijah. I'm really thrilled to be on your show. As, as you know, that podcasts are my passion. So I love every, every chance I can get to be well, in a podcast. And you have a you have a radio show. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have my own. I have my own little hobby, which is a is a, a podcast that I record in the in the local radio uh, studio. So it's also a local radio show. Yeah, I think that's super cool. And where are you in the world? Maybe you want to tell folks where you are. Actually, you're in. Oh right, yes. So welcome yeah. in my home. Um, I'm actually in Alsmeer, which is a a, a little village. Uh, or rather a, a sort of a suburb to Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Yeah, so I'm, okay. in, I'm in, in the greater Amsterdam area. And I have my offices in Amsterdam, so I travel back and forth, but I love living in this suburb, which is still a little village because it's on a lake. Uh, I own a boat, so for me, that is, that is how I empty my head sometimes uh, and, and clear everything. Just go out on the boat a little bit. Do you have a motor on it or do you, do you paddle? No, I have a, I have a, uh, I have a, a kayak that I pedal on, but I also have a boat with a motor. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love being on the water. And, on the and if there is ice, I ice skate on it. You do that? Because yeah, okay. I am Dutch, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, cool. So we mentioned that you, that you authored or co-authored the book together with Dan Toma and with the book, I mean, the innovation accounting book, um, the most recent one. And yeah, I would like to go through that a little bit and first up, ask you why you decided to write this book. Yeah, so the why is, I'm not sure if it's a clear why, right? Um, we, we, we've written the corporate startup book, um, Dentoma and Tendai Vicky and I, um, a few years earlier. And that was really straightforward. That was more of um, all the information is out there. We're doing it in a practical way. Let's put, put everything that we know together and make it a really practical handbook so that everyone can do it, right? Let's make some impact in terms of uh, corporate innovation. And um, that for me, that was more a serendipity that Tendai said, oh, Esther, you, so no, you know so much about the practicality, how that works with startups. Uh, we need you in terms of 
knowledge and, and let's do this together. But for innovation accounting, I think that's more of a pioneering subject, right? Because there's there's nothing out there really other than that uh, Eric Ries in his book said the startups themselves need to do some innovation accounting to keep themselves accountable and, and make data-driven decisions to move forward, to, to do these decisions to pivot or persevere or uh, or stop even. And, and um, as we started working so much with all of the corporates uh, that wanted to do internal venture building, we started to see that there is there's so much governance that is either missing or working against uh, these internal uh, ventures because of the high risk that you can't succeed in doing that without setting up a complete complete new system really yeah there there there, there was this gap this need of of corporates that didn't know that they needed it, but we, uh, as the practitioners, seeing that there was that that there was this thing missing, and, and then then had had been hammering on my door for a while and saying, uh, Esther, we have this knowledge, we're doing this, we need to write a book about it, uh, and, and I wasn't too sure because I always wanted want to have it tested first, right? So I, I I'm always like, yeah, but things are still changing, and maybe others know more about this. But then soon we had this system and we tested it and and I was like, he's right, right? Nobody's written about it. We have this thing that works. We need to put it out there. We need to help companies move forward because if there's no second system, there's not going to be disruptive innovation and how else can we make impact in the world? So then it it just became a thing and we started moving forward with with innovation accounting as as a book, uh, which in the end took us like two years to, to actually write and research and test and, and, and put together because that mean that meant that it's just not, it's not the same as the corporate startup, right? That was what is out there. How do you put it together in terms of making a mean of meaningful handbook? This was, we know the system, but we have to sort of describe it in a way that everybody understands. And, and now we're building this yeah. whole system and, and principles and, and, and give it to people. So you have to make sure that, that it, that it's it's a thing that works that 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 it's going to going to be accepted as as that thing or that new system that needs to be impl- into, implemented. So yeah, it was quite a journey, but I'm really proud that um, that we did it, and really thankful that Dan kept on pushing me <laughs> that we have we had to do this second book. <laughs> and and yes, indeed, as you said, we won. Uh, we recently won it out for two weeks now uh, um, the golden axiom award for business intelligence and innovation uh, for this book as well so yeah once you're lucky mm. twice you're good i hope so <laughs> yes. i got one obviously here ah yeah cool so it's as so you can get it on the other side of the world yeah i have this for i've been a backer though i've been backing you guys early on so yeah you that's right so, so you're I, I a special it, I got person it like a while ago yeah well yeah no, but like, no, no, well. that means you're actually in the book elijah your name is in that gold i know gold yeah it's back here i know it's back in there yeah, yeah, yeah. it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's lovely no congratulations how, how long did the corporate startup take you then i think it was the same amount of time I did. Oh, in the end could be a little bit less um yeah. But that was maybe because it was the three of us that had to work together. 
Uh, and uh, and we had to figure out the process because right, yeah. mm -hmm. it's not it's not just the text and the and and the, and the, um, the actual words that need to be put out there. It's the process of how do you design a book that is um, understandable, uh, visually enticing, and also really structured in a way that you can find everything. Because it's not a book that you just read and then forget about it because there's so much yeah, information it's not a novel, in it. Right? It's like, yeah, yeah. right. It's that mm -hmm. system. So how do you, how do you convey that system to others so that they can, can easily find things that they want to find when they look back at it yeah. and that they know what's where. So it's, it's this whole structure, um, visual structure, uh, the models of how that system works that need to be thought out. And then the illustrations come into that process of writing yeah. uh, and you need to find a, a figure out a way that yeah. works and, and while, while you're pioneering the topic right so right yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you have your 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 backers that you want to to be able to read the book halfway through and get your feedback from and hmm. and then we had experts coming in help us write chapters so yeah yeah i thought we we just go through it in a at a high level or rather go through what you guys describe as the four different types of innovation accounting, like, and please correct me. So we have uh, tactical, managerial, strategic, and innovation accounting for shareholders. And maybe you just want to say a few sentences or as much or as little as you like, a tactical innovation accounting. So, so let's go back a step on how I would describe that, right? So innovation accounting is, Is, is literally that the, the tools and the processes and the systems that you need within an organization uh, to monitor the progress of high-risk disruptive ventures, which means that it's not just it's not just a, a set of indicators that you need to be able to monitor that, but it's a system uh, of, of governance and indicators um, for several or right. levers of levels of decisions ma decision makers that need that data data to be able to make decisions which means that um, you basically have three layers of indicators that abstract yep. to above mm -hmm. um, for the next layer of decision makers so you 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 can understand that as a team I need data to make decisions uh, in terms of Is this the customer that I want to move forward to? Is this a problem that I want to focus on? Is this a solution that works? Uh, whereas a manager of, of multiple teams, I need different kind of indicators to understand if if my funnel is filled enough or if if overall all these teams are doing the things that they should be doing. And on a higher level, uh, strategically, I want to understand as a CEO if my innovation efforts still are aligned with my strategy and, and how much money goes into that and if that makes sense still. So that's that's why um, the innovation accounting system is actually three layers. It starts with a tactical, in a, um, a tactical layer where you measure the teams and the teams know how to move forward. That abstracts yep. into indicators that are um, related to the indicators that it all starts with, but it abstracts, abstracts to a level higher uh, indicators that help um, the managerial level to decide on how do I measure my funnel, right? How, yeah, how right. do I make decisions there? And that is going up to the strategical level where this data abstracts into new indicators that say, hey, is, is revenue coming at all? Or 
um, is this still aligned to my strategical goals in terms of um, overall portfolio? And then if you take a, a step back, then there's there's always this underlying layer that sort of connects to it, but doesn't have that abstraction level that all the three other levels have. And that's the um, culture and capability level where um, the skills and the capabilities and the culture of your company actually affect the, the, uh, <coughs> the output that your teams uh, are doing. So it essentially affects all of these layers. Um, but that's that's not as as intrinsically related as the other three layers that that are connected. Fantastic! No, that's a great <laughs> overview. Yeah, and do you want to talk to um, reporting to shareholders? Like, because that's in there as well. I'm very excited about that topic as well. Yeah, the shareholders is is um, what we're saying in terms of of shareholders is not that it is part of that system, but rather that the entire innovation accounting system is something that you can use um, if you want to talk to shareholders. Uh, because in our experience, shareholders are the ones that are actually pushing for um, for, for that for that profit, right? So, so usually uh, a company has a profit, which means that um, if it, a company is heavily invest, investing on innovation, then there is this cost pressing on the profit and shareholders are going to ask questions. Right. Now, with financial indicators, um, you can only show them the cost that you're making, right? Whether and and not really show them if that's an investment in the future and what kind of vision you have behind that investment and where are you then going with that vision. Now, if you use innovation accounting, what happens is that the costs that are going into in, an investment in the future um, are not just costs. But what you can say is that I know these are costs. But what we're doing is experimenting on future bets. And we can tell the story behind that with innovation accounting, right? We know their costs, but their costs that are, are rather an investment. And this is what hap what's happening with them. Now we have a story behind that that can tell uh, the progress towards a certain vision, towards a, a certain future bet. And, I, and I've just uh, written an article in our blog post around that where um, Facebook was was rather um, hit hard in terms of their stock. Um, it was going down in for the first time in in, in years because um, not only did their users sort of flatlined a little bit, right, but also they had a really high cost, which was pressing on their overall profits. So um, financial analysts were concerned, and their stock was going down. But if you look at the total. Uh, cost package, uh, a large amount of this cost, I think 75%, was an investment in their future bet on metaverse, right? They have been pressing that a lot. And it's the, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it's their vision that that's where a new future might be for Facebook, even though right now their business model is sort of leveling off. And if you look at it like that, if you tell shareholders, but look, we're actually progressing towards a future that we're seeing. And this is our um, this is our opportunity, and this is what we have de-risked, and this is how far we are, are in validating that future. This is what we're doing with that investment. Then you have a different story than just that financial story. So we recently spoke about this as well, where uh, where I saw that Monish Papaya said that he really liked the very fact that Amazon is doing a lot of small bets, like intrinsically, that's how they operate. And 
you know, he's basically saying, like, he's basically looking for, or he values that, right? And he thinks without knowing whether or not one of their bets pays off, but he knows in, in theory they have a, a higher probability that one of them will pay off, right? And seeing that from a, not just not just an investor, but somebody who is, as far as I understand, like a, a value investor, a very traditional Warren Buffett style uh, historian, right? Like, <laughs> like he's sifting through historical data and, you know, he can, you know, yeah. So he is a good accountant, right? Like a traditional, right? Yeah. Very sort Would of usually traditional stay away from high risk things. Exactly. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, ah, no, I'm not dealing with that stuff. I look for really undervalued stocks where I know they're undervalued and I feel confident <laughs> and they have a mode and all that stuff and not going for. And, but he totally understands that, like, we need new business models, right? For these, for these companies to at least continue. Uh, to create, right. to and, create value, and, and then also to understand exciting, the yeah. fact that yeah, that's really exciting. But also the the fact that that you need to, that that for that to happen, right? That those high risk and, and new things, you, you need statistically a high amount of of these these yeah. these things to, to begin with, right? Right? Because yeah. there's there's so many um, companies that I that I talk to and and they go like. Oh, but I understand you have a new system and, there, and, a, and there's a new structure that goes with it, but we're not sure yet. Um, we're going to, we're going to t- try these two ideas and bring them to fruition and yeah. then see if that works, what you yeah. were saying. And yeah. I'm like, no, right? No. So right. <laughs> are you going to take this $1 yeah. to the casino and then bet on it until it is a million? You know, that's not going to work up front, right? You need, you need, you need to spread. It's high risk. You need at least uh, fifty uh, bets to start off with, with 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 small amounts, and and then and then, as Tendai always says, you cannot pick the winners. What we what we can do is at least um, validate and show the opportunity, uh, and and have some confidence level in those opportunities that move forward, and 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 move forward with those, and stop the ones that do not. Uh, show any of that but we cannot pick, pick the winners so i think to understand as you said also that you need these big amount of, of little bets to to see that there is opportunity and value which is which you can then value much higher than um, yeah. companies that that move maybe one or two ideas forward first because yeah. statistically you know then that a hundred percent is not going to work out no, that's why I'm super excited about seeing something, you know, seeing the book mentioning that as well, because like, it's just so important, like, you know, shareholders just need to be happy and and, and trusted and, you know, support, support the structure, you know, like, uh, and the people within it. So, yeah, so that's, that's really exciting. And I think we, pro- yeah, it's going to be very hard to crack, you know, without, without being, being able to, to please shareholders is who the, want profit but the, in the end yeah, right but but right. i think the shareholders also want a continuity because that's they become obviously they become short shareholders somehow for the money but i also believe that you become a shareholder because you believe in that continuity of of that business so at some level you also understand that if you do not invest in something new then there won't be that continuity and and with the world changing this fast right I, I mean 
we're 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 putting together crisis over crisis, and we know that um, things really really have to change, impactfully yeah. change, yeah. Um, to to even continue what we have. Then then people understand that these bets are going to be more and more riskier to be able to to achieve that change, and, and that has to come from somewhere. So I think as a shareholder. They 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 understand that there is a need for these kind of high risk investment, but if you then can just show them that it's not just an investment that disappears, but it's an investment that is well thought out, that is monitored in terms of progress and opportunity, mm-hmm. um, and, and has some sort of ongoing benchmark on itself with with improvement, then that story is easier to tell um and, and then if it if that story continues it's also easier to get more money to put in there right yeah. so yeah. It's, it's just it's the story it takes that a needs long to time be told. right so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it takes a long time it takes and i think people forget that if you yeah. do high risk yeah. new business models it takes yeah. five to twelve years yeah uh, to become something that has um, a turnover that is as big as as your as your core, so that means that it takes a long time to have confidence in just there an opportunity. Right? And it's like it's my it's like one of my favorite topics. Like you know when we talk about empathy and how innovators should have empathy with uh, with their customers. Like you know it takes a bit of empathy. You know like as well here. Like you know a shareholder going and you know obviously CFOs as well, but you know, even shareholders, you know, say, yeah, no, I'm going to trust that for the next 10 years. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, no, but nobody's going to trust any, that. No, just because you feel great about it or, you know, like you, yeah, yeah you know what it's I mean? Feeling. Like, well, yeah. I not so sure, right? So like, yeah, not, not, yeah. not even investors are doing that, right? I want to see uh, some sort of progress, some sort of story, <clears throat> some sort of vision, some sort of mm. uh, uh, um, uh, indicators behind the story. Yeah. So that's also where innovation accounting stands, right? It's the it's the hand in hand with financial accounting. It's the um, there's a diagram in the book that's really interesting. It's a diagram where um, the 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 actual income level and and um, 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 amount of people using Airbnb over time uh, is mapped out. Where uh, in the first seven years, what you see is early yeah. evangelist. Yeah. In, uh, interacting with the platform not much happening in terms of revenue because that's still volatile we're still testing we're still experimenting what works and what doesn't work yeah they're bootstrapping things are happening but as soon as that hit max mass market then stuff start to move and then 12 years later yeah. for a financial analyst airbnb became an overnight success but there's nothing right. yeah, overnight no, about yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah, but for yeah. financial analysts, up till then, they were under the radar. Yeah, they were non-existing. But that story sort of, yeah. was there. Right. So mm. how could they have seen that story? Well, mm. that's where innovation accounting come in, and com- comes mm. in. It's that bit before financial accounting that tells the story of, is there progression? What kind of opportunity? What kind of confidence levels do, do we have for this future bet? Yeah. And, and that story then... And goes hand in hand with the. Now that reads account. very well. I, I remember that. I can't find it so quickly right now. But yeah, I've that was yeah. I remember that was really very clear when you read it also in the book and when you look at it. Yeah. I think that the more um, 
um, complex our, our society and our economy is going to get, the more financial analysts also understand that we need something to go next to just financials because the world is changing, uh, not just into more complex, but also less assets, right? We're moving into a completely digital work world now. So we have to look for different indicators. Yeah, and historically, it's kind of the way it worked, right? There was a problem and your accounting system that bro like broke and wasn't good enough anymore, and then things changed, right? And I guess that's where we are right now. It's just like, it's just not working. Yeah, fantastic. So what are your... Do you have some tips and tricks or some stories or something like that around you know, getting CEOs and CFOs to accept different measures and to yeah get them more used to a different system? Yeah, so that's what that's something that we've struggled with before we wrote this book, right? So we hmm. at first we thought it was about education, right? You need to teach these people. Um, they need to be didn't they need to understand that there's going to be different indicators and that financial indicators are are not good enough. They need to understand the high risk of it and, and that the mind needs to change in mindset in terms of um, how you invest in, in these things, which is so different from, from what you're used to. But then over time, number one, the board is super busy, right? They get an extreme amount of money uh, and bonuses to do that core ride and they don't get it because they're not doing anything they get it because they're good at it because they're experienced in it and it's so much work and responsibility shareholders and uh, the core business continuing strategies for moving that core into the future so how can we expect them to also make time to unlearn things and and be an expert on that other thing as well well some for some it, it's possible right but then um, for others um can they make that time? Is that is that something we, we can expect of them? And if they do, then how long will it take um, them to, to get where you want them to be? So for innovation uh, managers that are there because they're, they have that expertise, right? They have to sort of make the decisions there and then tell the story to the CEO so that he or she has the overview. So what we've noticed is that it's easier to introduce a complete system and then consistently report with that same system um, what you're doing, then telling them it can't be done with financial indicators, just look at it differently. Right? Then, then how do I look at it? St I'm still going to ask the same questions. But, but reporting consistently from the beginning, even it's, if it's just two or three things that you're picking up with a new set of indicators that have a different structure, come from a different way of working and ha have that mindset of investing in a lot of small bets first and then um, follow up in those that, that make sense later. And then reporting that in the same way consistently over and over again with the why makes so much more sense than trying to educate the board first and, and, and have them move along um, to make those decisions. So you're responsible for that part. That's why you are hired because the CEO right. can't, be the expert on, on everything, but make sure you have that system in place right away with a venture board that knows to make, that knows how to make these decisions and then consistently report on them. Um, and usually only pull the, the, the board in um, on decisions that are really big. When you're at the end of your funnel, uh, when there is big amounts involved, 
Uh, and, and you can tell a little bit of a different story. <clears throat> and do updates on how you're moving along on strategic level and not updates on how teams are doing individually. Mm. Because strategically, in the mind of the CEO, that doesn't make any sense. Nice. Well, Although there are CEOs that want to see all the teams as well, because that makes them really positive and really and, and really joyful. But there's also a danger that then the board is going to take gut decisions because they right. like the teams or the right. ideas. Where what right. you want is is data driven decisions and a funnel that works with ideas that that fits to the strategy. So it's 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 just more logical just to report on these strategic indicators. So do you think the <laughs> the the venture board is that the buffer is that sort of the is that your your risk management for the board not taking over no the venture board which the venture I mean, it's not board the only function a, but in in this context forgive me <laughs> yeah in this context yeah you're, what you're saying is look we have these skilled people and a decision making mechanism that works right We'll mm -hmm. just give you the the indicators that are useful to your uh, decision making. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. Yeah. So this this is nice. So you talk about the funnel, and um, what I would like to discover a bit more with you today would be um, what is the funnel? What is the portfolio? And again, you mentioned it in your book. Um, yeah. So it is yeah. important. And you know, <clears throat> what's the demarcation line? Maybe. Or is there even a difference, or is it just like you know different reports drawn from the same from the same system, or you know anyway, that that would be sort of where I would like to go. So um, yeah, it's it's just words. Maybe, maybe right? run us through. Maybe run. <laughs> sorry, it's just words, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel that like what I recently I really was I was frustrated with the words. Very interesting you saying that because um, it it creates. It creates like a, this 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 preconceived what this is in our head, but you know what what is there a difference between the funnel and or portfolio or not? Or, 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 yeah, know, or so, so in my or... in my my association there is, and and so that's why I'm saying it's just words because that yeah. I have learned that there's different companies that is using different words for different things. So jargon plays a um, a big role in associating things with other things. And, and that, that is something that you have to understand before you move forward within a company, right? So what is innovation in your company? Big thing. Uh, make sure everybody's on the same page. Right. Yeah. Um, right? Yeah, <laughs> One yeah. of the most yeah, important yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. Um, stage gating, right? A framework with innovation accounting is really important. But if you borrow stage gating from your digitalization process and say, and think that it's the same purpose yeah. and the same kind of mechanism, then something will go wrong definitely because it has a different purpose and is a different kind of mechanism, but we're using the same word. So be careful with that. Um, but in the book, it's it's explained, and I think it, there's a really important difference to understand um, because if you, if you um, it, it's how you judge and evaluate things. So your portfolio is your portfolio of, And, and we're saying your portfolio of business models that you have right now that is your that is your offering right now right that you're that you're making your money with so so yeah. those are the things that that are um, out of the test explore phase and are actual business units services products that you're offering to your clients right now and earning your money with that's your portfolio 
And we prefer to look at the portfolio uh, through the lens of business models. So if you do that, you can look at what is my current current offering do? Um, is that just one business model that has 80 products that are just customizations of the pro- same product for, for different clients, right? Because if that thing is under threat, all your 80 products are under threat. And then you have to move right. a lot faster with your innovation than if you have right. like four business models where, where there's a lot of differentiation. Now, now that is your portfolio. <laughs> to make that maybe a tiny bit more complicated before we move on. <laughs> yeah, another term and just another word, if you will. Like we have the innovation portfolio and we have the portfolio. And I think often, and don't know how you experience that, it's sort of interchangeable or, you know, it's not quite clear. Is there a difference or not? Like right now, you know, that was clear, right? That's the portfolio that entails all business models. Yeah, just, just your, no, just your In, current offerings in terms of business models right. all of the products that, that are right. um tested and that are offered right now and right. are making your money with the mass and that's really right. important to understand because even if it's that it, that's in an adjacent market for you but it's a it's a core offering right then this is your portfolio but the funnel is something different i think it's important to understand because i there's a, a lot of Corporates that are saying we want to understand everything that we have in terms of innovation and in terms of offerings, and then that's our complete portfolio. So and is the, is the innovation are, sorry? Then is there then no innovation portfolio? Is then the innovation portfolio and innovation funnel the same thing? So sometimes in the innovation portfolio, there's projects that are being ro- rolled out right now in terms of digitization or um, new product offerings um, that fall under the the core incremental innovation portfolio, but it can be rolled out pretty much immediately, right? So they have a business case usually. Yeah. They are prioritized. Yeah. Usually they're prioritized project by project. They look at it per project in terms of investment cost and opportunity or, or risk, right? So that, that, that in terms of business case, and that's usually what's in the innovation portfolio. Um, what we're saying is that as soon as you're doing this high-risk disruptive innovation, these are just ideas, right? And as we've talked about before, the one thing you need to understand is that those ideas cannot be judged as individual ideas and then prioritized against other individual ideas because there's maybe one out of 10 that is going to make it to the end. So you cannot do the same thing that you do with the rest of your innovation portfolio because you cannot prioritize things on individual level, you have to look at the complete set of ideas that you have and the stages that these ideas are in, in terms of de-risking towards a working business model. So everything that is disruptive innovation or whatever definition you've made for innovation and all of the ideas that are inside of that framework of stage gate in the process of being de-risked from idea towards working business model are in the funnel of your um, innovation framework. And that funnel is something that you judge in terms of outcome or ROI or return on on investment. And you do not judge it idea by idea because the funnel of ideas that you have for this disruptive innovation are... um, 
the opportunities of the new business models for your portfolio of tomorrow. So it's yep. not so so you don't judge just idea by a project by project. It's the, the whole concept of the the box or basket of opportunities that you're testing there. Um, that might become part of your portfolio in the future, but right now are part of your funnel of your investment. <clears throat> and that's a big difference because um, you cannot put them in your portfolio. They're not there yet. There's a there's a high risk. Ninety percent is going to drop off, so you can't judge it uh, or put it in your portfolio yet until it's de-risked. And with um, more incremental innovation, um, you make the decision usually um, project per project. So that's a whole different decision-making thing. And usually those those projects are becoming part of your innovation portfolio because they have a clear uh, roadmap. They have a clear uh, cost analysis. There's a different time frame. There's a different risk uh, involved. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I, I still find Does it a... make sense? I see you processing. <laughs> oh, no. I've been obsessing about it for a while now. I have to say, and so uh, so basically, I, innovation counting if, will will give you. I mean, I have a, I have a concept. To this, I said I have a concept, you know. So to say, I don't. I'm just not. I'm just trying to work it out, you know, really well, you know, like and and I yeah, find, yeah, and I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty set on the fact that all these terms are thrown around usually, and just like innovation doesn't really matter at the end of the day. What what is the true definition of innovation? Like as long as you have it defined in your company, good job, right? And like, what's your portfolio? What's an, is there a funnel? Is there an innovation portfolio? And then a portfolio? And are these all different? And do they move from a funnel into an innovation portfolio and from there into a portfolio? Like, who cares? But um, right? Uh, in the sense, who cares? Like, as long as your system yeah, yeah. works. But still, um, I'm, I find it very, very... Um, and am I just hung up on it because of the terms itself? Because these terms exist? right uh, or is there is there something is there something more to it or should we just at least put it out there to say hey think it through when you use these terms while building a system so if that's more kind of where i'm coming from and and see if i can settle on on something as well right um, yeah so for me it's 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 part of that mindset mm. right so mm. um like we just discussed that you need to understand that this high risk innovation need to be invested in in a different way because a nine and a ten are, are not going to make it. So you do this. Yeah. The same thing goes for funnel versus portfolio, right? So it's that mindset of how you manage and evaluate these ideas. Um, all of the ideas that are still in process of being de-risked uh, is something that you need the innovation accounting system with, and yeah. which means they are in a funnel of exploration and not part of your portfolio because your portfolio is... is 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 uh, where you get your money from right now. So that funnel is part of your high risk investment, and sh and you can see the progress on what's going on. You need innovation accounting yeah. for that. Once it turns over to your business, it's part of your portfolio. And then how your portfolio performs right now is something that you then use to identify your strategy in terms of where do we want to go innovation wise. What do we need to improve? core wise and that feeds back into your funnel again 
or your funnels, right? Like that's what I feel like. Like funnels, you have a funnel right? against, a, exactly. against a certain yeah. strategy, and then you have kind of a funnel for it to feed that strategy, and it takes a, a different yeah. amount of resources than another part of your strategy where you're not as much under threat. We're just creating less options at this point. As long as you understand that the portfolio is then the bit where I mean is already the risk you are right. exploiting on this uh, to be able to, to be more efficient on it and grow it. And the funnel is what you're exploring to understand yeah. if it's going to work or not. Yeah. But, and and that's where, and you know, I think, uh, for example, what, what may be tricky there in general is like, what's that demarcation line? Like, you know, do people scale projects when, when you're in that sort of scale phase, maybe? let's throw around some terms without defining them too well, but you know, you have product market fit and you want to scale them. Do they go in the portfolio? Like according to that, rather not, you wait until you have more certainty that they can actually scale and then they go into the portfolio, right? So that is, yeah. that would be the view. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you. So portfolio management itself, I think you spoke about that there, how it pays off to to manage portfolios. Well, I'm getting confused. How often would a, would a CEO ideally sort of look at a, a dashboard or at their portfolio distribution. What do you think? Is there is there something? Is there a time cadence you think is you know every three months or like how involved should a CEO be in managing that portfolio? Um, no, well that is the but like uh, how often should that be looked at rather? Yeah, so so it depends. It all probably, depends on, <laughs> I'm sorry. Right, what kind of market and industry you are in? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. also uh, what the rate of disruption is in that market. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you yeah, already yeah, have sure. a strong fate? How how um how yeah. how much pressure is there to change? But then um what companies right now are doing is looking at their core and uh, and having these strategy sessions every what is it, five years, ten years, and then and think about how, how that core needs to move forward to 2050 and have yeah, these yeah, trends yeah. analysis and, and etc. Um but uh, what makes sense is to look at your portfolio in terms of business models and, and determine if we have a vision somewhere in between, because they usually have these these black spots in between. So our corporate core strategy is to move forward towards 2050 and be this leader in I don't know something but there's usually black spots in between they're like okay mobility is going to change but we do not know how just that it is going to affect our core business right, right? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and what you do with your with your um, a little bit more high risk innovation and, and building new business models is focus on these on these black spots what could be an opportunity for us to invest in in, in terms of um, moving towards new business models but also what of our current portfolio is under threat and we need to improve on, on where do we want to be uh, and, and, and how much and, and determine um, based on that portfolio, what is under threat, what is under fade, what is doing well, um, how much you want to invest in, in this high risk kind of new business model innovation. And, and then you want to, to look at these future bets and see how they're doing. So every half year, you have to sort of look at your funnel and understand mm. what we what came from this future bet. Did, did that make sense? Did we, were we able to validate anything uh, in terms of the market? Is that, does that mean we're too early or just way off yeah. and we need to, to figure out a new future bet? And then you get sort of a, uh, a loop going there because then um, – if you're really in the beginning, it, it might make sense to do it not as often to go back to the to complete portfolio or analysis. But if there's a loop going on, you want to 
um, continuously check how does that revert back to my portfolio? What kind of um, ROI do I get from those investment? But also how does it affect my overall portfolio? And are we on the right path, right? So you need to keep revising that loop because in a, in essence, that funnel is is your execution on your strategy, right? And you want to check back. So not maybe not as often as every half year where you do have to check your future bets, your investment thesis. But I think a lot more often just, just than everyone's once in five or ten years, as is uh, is what's happening right now with your uh, with your corporate strategy. So I'd say at least touch base on it every year, right? So what's happening? What are we doing? Is this and and how is the funnel coming? Are we going into the right direction? I think it should be part of um, mm-hmm. business analysis, right? So there's a lot of corporate accounting and controlling uh, people even risk and and, and uh, compliance people that are approaching me right now and that are saying we know yeah. that our business changing right I bet. it's it's being automated things are happening how can we give value to what we're doing to the business so isn't yeah. this something that should be part of our business intelligence where we can look at our portfolio right. in a more strategic way so i think right. it 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 will sort of evolve hopefully, into something that, that can be a combined uh, function. Yeah, nice. Yeah, thanks. That's that's such a good vision, isn't it? I agree. Oh, that's nice that you're getting approached there. That's really good to hear. That's super interesting. That's that's like super exciting right now to hear, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. So there is there's those accountants and, and, and uh, consultancy agency that approach me and then say, oh, I was wrong. I thought it was, that it was about accounting, uh, innovation in accounting. But now that you've explained to me what it is, oh, okay. it might still be using because accounting is as a, a function is under threat because of automation. And um, uh, right, so there's a lot. Oh of wow! That so that's their right problem that, that their own their own big, their own business right. model is under threat is when you're saying off the accountant. Right. <laughs> yes. And and now they're seeing this opportunity where oh if God, they could incorporate this into their offering, right. they could be um, and and with their uh, business analysis <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> intelligence, they could have a whole new role now in business. And they yeah. and, and they're looking for these new yeah. business intelligence roles yeah. that they that they could have with that data. Mm. So this is a really totally. interesting development. Totally, I, I totally see roles. That's an, I, this is fascinating. Like. Beyond, like you wouldn't believe how how anyway i'm excited so yeah i always think like you know innovation accountants you know it's a job like even all the way from the teams you know like even like you know think about report cards on that on that sort of level and updating you know updating these things and updating projections you know and updating you know monte carlo simulations and financial early financial models and things like that and how is that connected to your actual insights and things like that you know and this is a bit like what are you talking about there are bookkeepers they're accountants of course it's not fun to, to, to many people it's well to some it is you know but like to many it's not yeah. right and i get it you know you want to do your ex and you know you want to do what you're good at and you know like um right and you want to you know you, you want to talk to people and you're very good at discovery and things like that so but you have to do potentially you know other things and and there's a lot of work right there's a lot of there's some data entry to be done right and um to to get these reportings off the ground so um so that's where my head is but yeah this is this is this is so funny this is such a funny story that 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 yeah that accountants go like 
Yeah. Uh, this, well, this the same goes for, for legal and compliance, really, because then uh, because mm. the world is changing so fast right now and there are so many crises following each other that if companies uh, stick to their old risk and compliance models, then they can't move forward. So risk and compliance are looking for way to nice. for new ways to yeah, de-risk nice. things. So nice. there was this there's a, um, a person from a one of the the larger banks in the Netherlands that approached me and say, "Hey, you're talking about this validated learning stuff. Is that something that we can use as a de-risking?" mechanism and i'm like yes that's what maybe it's for. so all of <laughs> yeah. a sudden startup that has like a bad flavor for most of corporates because it's startups right. not going to work within corporates now yeah. has um within legal and comp- uh, compliance this hey can we use that to to de-risk we need new mechanisms to de-risk this because there's more risk and more complexity in the world how do we deal with it so I think Mental. it's it's nice to see all these kind Mental. of trends emerging. Yeah, <laughs> this is good. This this made my week. This made my week that that it's already <laughs> going that far because like that's not what I I think. I don't know. Like time wise, I don't know when you know I can get a comfortable chair and get myself something, like, hang out for another five hours. Obviously, yeah, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> but you know, also happy to. I think we're approaching. I have the, ten the more minutes, time. but that's it. I could touch on innovation culture, but but I think we we run through time very quickly. So I would rather ask you, like, where do you see innovation counting in 10 years? Or where well, would you like to see it? As an accepted system for high risk search, right? as, an, as a completely accepted system that has its own spot or place, maybe even within the, the accounting function of, of corporates, but that is accept that it is accepted to have right. this second system and then people know how to use it so that we can actually achieve uh, the change and the impact that we need to achieve right now. Because I always say that there's so many companies now that are saying, oh, we have purpose and we want to impact, make impact on CO2, blah, blah, blah. Right. If you don't have a second system, you're never going to make that impact because you're always going to prioritize on, on profit and efficiency so you need that second system to get out of that box and actually make that impact because you need the system that that allows you to prioritize on that impact on that purpose that you're that you're that you're saying that you want to want to have or or make so if we want to change the world we need that second system and i want that to have a place in in corporate business intelligence there you go that's i think that's the that's the best way to to end the episode i have to say like on a re on a high on an absolute high note and uh... <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool <clears throat> so much thank you so much uh, thank, will... you. thank you for me allowing for allowing me to have that podium idea. yeah no oh you you're welcome anytime like you just, you just call you just call and um yeah and we make sure to to link to in the show, like look at the show notes um to to get in touch with esther uh, to get in touch with what she's doing to to get the book and all the things we talk about we link to to everything that's remotely relevant and um yeah hope you enjoyed the show